So hi, Yakov. It's uh, great that you're going to be having this conversation as part of this What Is Life series. Um, I'm aware uh, that we were going to film, but that we're in lockdown because of this virus. So we're doing it like this. Mm. Um, one of the reasons we were going to do this now is you have this book just out. Maybe, can you, yeah. maybe you can show that to everyone. So there, there it is. Yeah, well, let's. Let, can hey, you... Kim. Hey, everybody. <laughs> there you go. There it is. Isn't Shining, it beautiful? What's the subtitle? Shaman is such a strong title. What's the subtitle? Yeah. It's uh, invoking power, presence, and purpose at the core of who you are. Um, it's been, uh, it's, but you know what it's like, but it's been a real labor of love, this one. Fantastic. Uh, really so, so I, I, it feels like, you know, th the first thing I have to say is that obviously we know each other, which yeah. is not always true with the people I have these conversations with. And the, the reason we've, know, we've got to know each other is that, and I've said this to you many times in, in private, and I'm now going to say it here in public, is that I find you and Susanna, your wife, of immense integrity, uh, uh, great compassion, and I trust you. Um, and you are coming at life, you know, a book's called Shaman. You call yourself a shaman, and there's a there's an approach to life that comes through that. So the what one of the many things that attracted me towards the idea of having a conversation like this with you was to see how your perception of what this is from your journey, which has made you end up moving to a shamanic perspective, uh, how that relates to what I've been exploring. And so let's start with that. So what you know, you've done the book. Why do you call yourself a shaman? What is it? What is that? What does that mean? What's your view of reality through those eyes? Thank you, Tim. Well, I mean, first of all, just thank you very much for your very kind words. They really, yeah, it's 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 lovely to um, hear them. It's really nice, very warming. I feel a kind of ha huh, warmth just to be with you and be with the the people who are listening to this. And thank you. It's it's lovely. I. I, I could say the same. In fact, I'm going to. <laughs> it, you know, when we become mates and we become close because I really love the way you're exploring and your openness to life and you're like you're following the thread. You know, I read your soul story book and I, I love the way it literally was like a winding path, but with it going through really fascinating landscapes and that that each each one of them named something recognizable and then some other things were like new possibilities like new landscapes so that's that's very that's very interesting exciting for me being well coming to your your question or that initial what's what what is this shaman thing all about <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What is this shaman thing? Why, why is this? I'm a white <laughs> yeah. Jewish guy yeah. living Yakov. in Yakov. I mean, it's a Jewish. Right? <laughs> Born in Liverpool. <laughs> what happened? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I. It's a really. Uh, it's a long story, but um, but uh, it's been a. It's been a very strong story for me to get to the place where now I'm comfortable in the role and the naming of shaman it's been really it's been hard because i you know our my cultural shamanic heritage is somewhat buried um it is there within judaism 
um, it, it's buried within it's buried in the within the time and the modality and the way of thinking it's it's been somewhat overlaid with a lot of silt and mud and exoticism and um, and it it's also my personal journey was all about finding a language that made sense of my own experience. So I wasn't looking for shamanism. I was looking for something that made sense of my experience. And when I discovered something called shamanism and the, this thing of the tree of life and the spirit and the body and the cycles and the, the, the things that made sense to me and made sense of a love of the mystery that I've always had. Uh, it just seemed like, well, it seems to be called shamanism. So I'm going to follow that road and see where it leads. And it's, it's led me in loads of different directions. <laughs> <laughs> that I can bear testimony to. So, so that, that, <laughs> but, uh, but can you, through that, I mean, shaman, obviously there's lots of different shamanic traditions. They all yeah. get put together. They're all different, yeah. actually, of course, yeah. like everything. They're all unique and have different approaches and different techniques. And, but there is something, isn't there? There's something which is very ancient. It feels like, from my reading of history, it feels like human beings came into some form of soul consciousness and developed something we now call shamanism. And it hasn't stayed still since those very very early times it's of course it's developed and evolved it keeps changing but there is something can have you been able to kind of nail that something what is it nice easy yeah. question yeah, nice easy question i'm really letting that land i can feel it um land and the, you know it's shaking in my backbone that question because it's it's really it's been essentially my quest and because it's it's essentially a quest for self, um, understanding of self. So what, what, where I've arrived at in this moment with what it is, is it's, um, it's a direct physical embodied experience of connection to the divine through the physical world, through the imminent, touchable, sensible, um, physical world, through the body through earth, through fire, through sunlight, through water, through wind, through the elemental yeah, yeah. power. And, and then where I know we've had some really interesting connections is it's through that connection, through that anchor, if you like, there is um, a space to connect to the imaginal, to the, to the unseen, to the as yet unformed the the non-physical world and um, whether that's uh, something that feels like ancestry or something that feels like spirits or something that feels like a living earth something that that has that story to it and it's a story which is basically a, um a original systems thinking it's basically a recognition of each individual piece of this puzzle being interconnected. So yeah. that's, that's really interesting, isn't it? Because I, 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 can, I really get that. Mm. And 
and and and this is massively broad big thinking this is not obviously you know huge generalization but you can it feels like human beings at some at some point the the what we now recognize as the human experience of the imaginal this other realm we're in right now where we're having meaning and ideas started to arise and we were becoming self-conscious of ourselves and our environment and it looks like like you said that the first thing that human beings did was they experienced those the divine the sense of wonder the oneness the tra- but in in the world and then at a certain point maybe the axel age 2500 years ago or whenever it was there seems to be a, a movement into transcendence where suddenly mm. it's all about getting away from here that yes. this is some illusion this is not the place to be yes and that was a phase i feel like i've been through all these phases actually. <laughs> and, and and then and then what seems to be happening now which really intrigues me is it feels well it's, it feels like like uh, all of that's coming back and and there's a sense in which there's that lovely name that that, that Gebster, I think, was the first person who used it, but Ken Wilber's used it a lot of integrating, integral. Mm. That somehow mm. we've bought. Actually, sorry, I'm getting a bit lost here, but this seems important to lay the foundation for what we're trying to do. Is it feels like you and I have lived through. Actually, we've lived through a phase which is more to do with being individualistic and relativistic everyone's got their own thing you make your own truth you find your own spirituality and you're you're a shaman i'm a sufi you're this i'm a buddhist you know whatever it is and then it feels like now with our children i watch them and they're moving into something quite different and it's and we're part of that because we're still here which is integrating it how does it all fit together how does that transcendent fit with that shamanic imminent and how does that Resonate? Absolutely. Well, I mean, on a, on a personal level, I do. You said, you know, you, you're, you're describing a lot of experiences that you've been through, that transcendence. And for me, certainly transcendence, it wasn't really transcendence. It was more like route one out of here because right. here wasn't a very um, wasn't a very safe place to be. Didn't feel like a safe place, didn't feel recognizable, felt other, felt um, incongruent, felt dangerous. Whereas there in the imaginal, in the dream, you know, as a child, I couldn't wait to get to bed because my dream life was far more real to me than my waking life. Had much more um, substantial, much more of a substantial feeling to it. Um, it, You know, it was where I could, where I was safe, actually. And and yet you've ended up, I mean, you you do, a lot of what you do is about movement, right? So you've ended up right into the body to... Well, that's the interesting thing. I, you know, I was, I was running away from experience. I was using that capacity I have to dream. We all have that capacity to be somewhere else than in the body, physic- physically present. I was using that as, um, you know, distraction, well, survival mechanisms. And then also, you know, when I was younger, really young getting into this, it was all about going somewhere else. It was all about being in some better other other place. And that suited me. It was exotic. It was exciting. I was just thinking about it because I'm thinking it's like but the, the, the shamanist thing. 
it's because it's actually like you said it's not logic it's not just about you know get out in nature is it i mean it, it's it's rooted in nature but it is also very much in the imaginal i mean that's where the shamanic work gets done yeah. you know if you take ayahuasca you don't you end up there don't you it's like whoa just like you know you just so it's it's more like it feels more like we at a certain point we tried to get out of experience yeah into something which was the transcendent numinous yeah. non-dual and 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 that shamanism is, is kind of not just in nature it's the whole it's really rich in the actual it, experience it's the tree of life it's 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 roots trunk and branches and it's okay. the connection between them and i think that's you talked about um you know the evolution in our you know our children's generation how have as that feeling of let's now integrate individuality and weeness let's let's evolve the things that we've learned into something a little bit more um interconnected living in that knowledge of interconnection and living in that bridge between imaginal experience and physical experience and learning about how do how do they relate how does my story relate to my lived experience how does what i imagine about reality affect the way i experience reality and what what choice do i have about that and the body and you know which <laughs> wasn't my best friend i you know i used it a lot but i had to, i i didn't like dancing when i when i discovered dancing i wasn't looking to dance i was looking for shamanism i ignored the whole bit of the write-up that said dance and when I got into the room, this was with Gabrielle Roth in a dojo in London in 1988. There were all these people in their leotards stretching. And I was like, what the, what's going on? No, this is like, I've got to, oh my God, I've signed up to dance for three days with these people. I was, I was freaked out. But I tell you what, I was, within, a, within about an hour, Gabrielle, who at that time was a really wild um, creature. She was like long black leather jacket and dark sunglasses, beautiful black hair, absolutely very exotic being. And she kind of waltzed into this space like a, a whirlwind. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> within about 20 minutes, she had me, she'd seduced me, I don't mean sexually, I mean, it, out of my thinking about what might or should or would or did or will happen into this that moves this how this is movement you just have to shift your attention from what you're thinking about into the experience that's happening in your body and the intelligence of life that is movement that lives your body moves to the beat and just let go and see what happens. And it, it freaked me out because it was, it was amazing. It was just like, wow, all this creativity. I had no idea. Well, yeah, I can really relate to that. I mean, I had a, you know, my, my journey was, was less dramatic, I suspect. And, uh, but I was very far out. And, you know, when I, I, it came through me through Tai Chi. And that was in my early 20s, late teens, early 20s. And just really didn't know I had a body really uh, but the question I want to ask you is that is that from the later 
spiritual traditions. The central teaching, which is not very um, really popular these days, I don't think really, well, kind of is, but, but is absolutely central. And I, I, have, I actually have sympathy for it and think we can make sense of it, is that essentially you are not the body, that essentially you are the soul, you're this imaginal level of reality in relationship with the body and that's what survives death and what actually goes through a process of transmigration how does that sit with the shamanic tradition when did that develop do you think does that, uh, does, that does that ring for you personally and with the tradition well, I, I think that's the i think that's the evolution that we're in is for, for me what what i'm really fascinated by is how those two different conditions um marry up and give us the experience of living in a body on this earth and so what when i when i the more i get to know this thing as earth or as fire or as water or wind or as roots or as branches or as or as animal the more i get to know it as um part of the just the the wildness of nature of how life moves through this world when it's allowed to get on with itself. Um, that married to this extraordinary um, eternity or sense of like foreverness or vastness and beyond time and beyond physicality. And how do they, how do they, like to me that's like dream and this is physical manifestation of dream and shamanism for me is this this bring how do i bring that here how do i bring heaven to earth in a sense mm -hmm. and and in that sense um there's a there's an evolutionary prayer at, at the heart of shamanism which is well-being for for nature that which is us too well-being and connection and interconnectivity and ground and root through which to land the experience of of the purity the magnificence of spirit together here so do you think that is a, there is a sense how and uh, i'm like when you're in the rainforest or something, you know, that with you, I mean, it's obviously it's hard now because all the traditions are changing all the time, but I, you know, I presume the, but, but do you, do you, do you have a sense of how it is traditionally seen the purpose of life, if you like, from that perspective, you know, from a perspective that didn't have all the knowledge we now have about the nature of the universe and how has that changed and what's your synthesis of the two? Well, it, you know, we're, we, we've started about the whole thing about me being a white Jewish guy living in Devon. And, um, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't practice um, Amazonian shamanism or I'm not, I'm not, that's the thing that I had to really learn from all these different indigenous traditions. They were all saying to me, look, um, you're not Native American. You're not a Sami. You're not Amazonian. You're a white Jewish guy from Liverpool. And your job is to translate this experience into something that makes sense to you and your people and your land. And that's what our work is. We'll come to that afterwards, but um, maybe. 
<laughs> yeah, no, we should. I, 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 want, I want, it, definitely should come to that. Yeah. So the indigenous people in the Amazon now that we, we get to visit, I'll talk about, there's two tribes we work with, the Achua and the Zapara, and they're two different tribes. The Achua are a warrior people. They're really strong. They, their story is we've never been defeated ever. Even when the conquistadors came, they were like, you know, they're fierce. And they used to kill each other a, a lot. And um, they, they decided to stop doing that because they, they saw that there was a bigger threat that was coming to the forest. So they unified. Amazing. That's an amazing story in itself. That is an amazing story. Yeah. God, that's... You know how they did it? I'll tell you no. just briefly. Yeah. yeah, do. It's just, it's so fascinating. They dreamt that there was a Catholic priest somewhere in Europe who would be able to help them to make peace. And I, they found him. They somehow got in touch with this guy, um, whether it was through the, the language of dreams or they didn't have mobile phones in those days or connection. Um, but they found a way of connecting with this guy and he accepted their invitation. Of course, he tried to get them to be good Catholics. Um, but in the end, he became more like them. Um, they, they loved him. You know, he only died a few years ago. Young Kwan, they called him. They give, even gave him an Achua name. And he helped them, bless him, to make peace. Amazing. Wonderful. Like, what yeah. a story. That is a fantastic story. And so they're warriors, these people. And they're very proud. And they're very secure in their sense of self, their sense of um, cultural identity and place. One thing you know, I noticed very quickly when I went there is that's very different to us is um, they don't judge. They don't start by seeing something different and going, mm, don't like that, or, you know, it should be like this, or, you know, we do it like this, and they do it. Like, Why did it? They just, they observe. They observe, and they go, they're curious. Well, you're doing it like that. I wonder what the outcome of that action is. And, you know, I'm not, they're by no means perfect. They are, they're just human beings like you and me with all their own stories going on. But in terms of their shamanism, it's interesting because they've made peace, but their shamans haven't yet. And, you know, the shamans... Wow, that's so it, interesting. It is. What, sorry, go more. Um, they're, Why? They're, it's not that they're actively at war, though some of them are. There's always right. been that in shamanism. Yeah. You know, in, in South America, in the forest, you don't hire a lawyer to destroy somebody. You hire a shaman. Yeah. And that's, that's been that part of that culture. And um, it's one of the things, of course, I've had to deal with is what do you do with that power? Do you, are you willing to do harm? Are yeah. you willing to? And, I, you know, for me, that's an absolute bottom line no-no. And uh, last time I was there um, in January, we were, we were doing our formal introductions and one of the leaders of one of the elders said to me that they, they were talking about the trouble they were having with the Ecuadorian government. And they said, well, you're a shaman. Could you, um, could you do him some damage, the president? And I was like, no, <laughs> no I can't. <laughs> No, this is I'm really pleased you brought this up because we could have easily missed this and because it's something I'm always very aware of because I like to see things from many sides 
is that there's a massive romanticization of older cultures or older cultures, you know, different, these very different cultures that live in very different ways. Indigenous. Indigenous, let's call them, you know, whatever yeah. that really means. But you know, yeah. that, those, we know who we're talking about. But those, you know, and, the, and the, 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 there's, a, there's a lot of darkness there as well, isn't there? That when, in, in the world of magic, it, oh. there is always like, the, it's, a, it's I, not nice. It's not nice. No, it's really not nice. It's hardcore. It's, it's, the, yeah. jungle. it's the jungle. It's the yeah. jungle. Live and die. And death is always in the room. And yeah. it's always present. And it's sharp. And it's, it's wild. And th there, is, there is that element to it. I think it's partly, um, you know, I love that wildness. Um, at the same time, the same time one of the things you asked about what's what's there in that culture is there's a there's a confrontation always as far as i've been told in in the training of a shaman in the forest there's a confrontation with that darkness or that shadow self and people make different choices quite you know more people choose to go with it because it promises something. There's a promise of power or money or, you know, as many women as you want, if you're a guy. That, you know, there's a promise of something. There's a, there's a seduction. Yeah. And many people take that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, people, people who do that kind of work earn more money than healers. Yeah. Um, so is there a sense in which the, the the shamanic skills are kind of kind of amoral in the sense that they're, they're neither good nor bad they're just like anything you know it's like having a army or anything you know it's like it's not what you have it's what you do with it that makes it of any ethical quality it's like power it's entirely yeah, yeah it's like power entirely neutral yeah it's, yeah and it's entirely down to that confrontation which road you choose and I, you know when i was doing training in the amazon I thought I'd made that choice a very long time ago. I was, I was like, yeah. don't be ridiculous. Right. What are you right. talking about? Like, I know, I, I know I made that choice. And th these old guys, one younger guy and one older guy, they were like, you, you don't know, but we, we can see that lust for power in you that you haven't owned yet. Oh. We can see that, you know, lust to do harm. Look for it. And I was like, oh, no way, man, forget it. No. And, um, but step by step, and I went kicking and screaming the whole way. It wasn't pretty. <laughs> um, I, I got to meet that in myself. I got to go to that crossroads and see that part of myself. I didn't want to see it. I didn't like seeing um, the Yakov that was capable of really consciously doing harm. Right. I didn't like that um, part of me that, that could be ice cold and dismissive and completely the opposite of compassionate. I didn't like it. I didn't want to know it as, as a part of me. But so is that part that, is that, in a, is that because given that there's, you've said this, it's not always very, you know, it's not always for the good, but is that, is that an essential part of the training for generally, do you think, or is it just different people? I, I think, I think uh, if you're going, if you don't, if you go down that route, I mean, Amazonian, I, I don't, I don't 
necessary. I don't recommend that to anyone. Right. I, I, it's it's something that you. You know, I was really called there in my dreams. I really felt I have to go there. Uh, I didn't, you know, I had a whole different idea of what it would be than what it was. And if I'd have known, I wouldn't have gone, I promise you. I really right. wouldn't have gone. Right. it was hell for me. But, it was but glad you did? Totally, yeah, because, because of that confrontation. Yeah. Because in that confrontation, um, I became safer as a human being. I became safer with my power. Because you can't, I, I realized I can't say no to doing harm if I haven't owned that I could. Yeah. Yeah, I actually had to experience it and see it and see that road. So, so maybe this is a good time to, to actually, before I say that, I just, I can't remember if I've ever said this to you. I probably have, but um, just occurs to me, it's relevant to this conversation, is uh, 20 years ago, I wrote two books on shamanism. Um, yes. one Native American spirituality, and then one which was a really interviews with shaman from all different traditions who I went and spent time with and then, and then wrote about. And, and, and so last time I read it, read them. <laughs> ah, so it's, it's kind of making me think, oh yeah, you know, this is, this is retouching things for me too. So, so, you, so jumping from the Amazon to Devon in England, yeah. how does all of that now resurface, reintegrate? How, are you, how do you think this can come back in and be part of our future? <sighs> well, I'm so, I'm, thank you for that question because um, it's really at the, the heart of why I wrote this book. It's exactly for that reason because um, my belief or my passion is that everyone has this shamanic part of themselves. I, I call it for want of a better word, the inner shaman. Not, not you are a shaman, but you have access to that archetypal energy. It's an archetypal part of our human capacity. Yeah, it definitely is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. good point. And, and that, <laughs> yeah, it is. And yeah. that part of us, that part of us is already uh, embodied, rooted, and a really good dreamer and is in the experience of interconnection is in that experience, recognizes it, therefore um, loves um, life outside because rec recognizes that life, nature, others, um, difference, diversity as part of self. A bit like we're being forced to right now in some way. We, we can't, it's harder for us in the middle of this pandemic to really, really be totally separate from him over there or that them over there because we we're all in we've kind of landed in a situation of being in this together to a degree hopefully much more I hope that we make that meaning from it um, so coming coming into um, how we work and why I think it's um, helpful is our whole thing is to help people to become present in the body, really present in the body. Um, it's not to say I am the body, but to become present, that consciousness and physicality are in the same place. And from that ground, then to work, to, to 
create, to dream, to work with the material of our biographies, our experience, the material of our ancestry, the material of our wounds, the material of our traumas, the material of what we dream, what really matters to us, what we love, what we care for, like to start to shape that as a dance, to, to make this physicality more of a, a receptacle for that dream, that it can be here by, so, because the body, if it's left, if it's not allowed to move, it just becomes like a, a the physical shape of our history. And Ooh. by the time, <laughs> that's know, lovely. It becomes like the body. physical shape of our history. That's yeah. right. And and then you know, by a certain point, it's we can't move anymore because we're full. We're full of emotion and we're full of history and we're full of experience and we're full of pain and we're full of food and we're full of distraction we just you know that's like it's it's a painful uh very damaging place for us as individuals very and very damaging for our environment it's not good for the world that way of being it doesn't it's not creating what we are capable of i i i see such magnificence in us human beings really i mean that's why i work and that's what i give my attention to we're just amazing what what we can survive what we can the meaning we can make of horror and how we can create art from horror and an evolution and kindness and healing so for me that's our work and we do that's how we work is get present so that, that the, the life that's inside that history, the life that lives the body, that is movement. That is the intelligence of life. We call that the unbroken. The unbroken, that's nice. So that really is integration, isn't it? It's the integration between the imaginal and the, the biological or the, the physical. Um, and, and bringing them, making sure they, they're part of the same. Yeah, and then when you sleep thing. at night, when you fall asleep at night, your spirit can fly free from your body. Yeah. That's also true. That's, a, that's beautiful. Yeah. I, I feel the same. It's like, it's lovely to let the attention go to all these places, but, to, but, the, the, but that they're all part of one thing and that we don't, we don't miss that yeah. so that we can move between them. And, and, yeah. and somehow the, 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 the understanding, which I'm looking for as a philosopher with my that hat on, is is about that it's about how can i understand how this whole one thing fits together yeah. in such a way that honors every part so yeah. it's not rejecting the world as mire the illusion about there's no bad thing in it there's badness in it of course and there's Absolutely. but there's no there's no element of it which is being which is like it's all part of this one thing which is moving forward which is constantly changing and evolving and becoming richer and richer and richer absolutely that's you know my my deepest experience of, of what you're talking about is that um, there's no exception, no exception in the embrace of the divine or that's not part of wholeness, of universe, yeah. Yeah. of consciousness. Yeah. There's nothing that can be excluded. It's the consciousness is the sum total of everything. 
and <laughs> so I, I would like to, to I was going so fast the um, I knew it would I, I want to try an idea on you Yakov and if, if I may not be able to articulate it quickly enough to, for it to really make sense and if it does I just apologize to you and everyone else but um, <laughs> but I'm gonna have a go because I there's your your you, I can't share this idea with many people and get a response um, and you, you it, it may not be one you resonate with, and I'm ready for that. That's fine by me. Mm -hmm. um, you know that. Uh, so uh, this is where, this is where it's, it's come up. Um, so I remember you and I actually having a conversation quite a long time ago about this idea of spirits and spirits in rocks and spirits in rivers and spirits in plants and all of that. And then there's a friend of mine in America who uh, I've been to a lot of my work and been involved with me very much. And young woman who, who's got very involved with the ayahuasca and doing a lot of ceremony and really taken off and got a lot from it. She's got the whole, the plants tattooed on her back. It's just amazing. It's just... <laughs> anyway, so she, that, and she's beautiful. And another uh, person who's been to a number of my events has, who's from England actually has gone across and done work with her and came back to me and went, I really like this shamanic thing. It's really speaking to me. But I have real trouble with this idea of the spirits in the rocks and all of this. And how do you make sense of that, Tim? Can you make sense of that for me? Or is it just like, no. And we talked about it and I hadn't felt like I had made sense of it. And I've been working on it, trying to make sense of it. And this is what I've come up with. Um, now, obviously the one that, so I have a problem with just taking them the traditional view. They, that there are somehow conscious beings that inhabit. I can just about imagine it for a particular plant but like we, you know, when you take a rock and it's got a spirit and then you break it in two and it's got two spirits now or, you know, all of that, all those problems that arise and the river, where does the spirit end or start and, you know, all of that. And, and where do they come from? And, and we've got such a good biological sense of the evolution of the natural world. We don't really need fairies to make the plants grow anymore. Yeah. However, I also know because, you know, I'm not, a reductionist materialist remotely i also know what it's like to enter that state where you're going you know i i feel the spirit of a place i feel the spirit of a of a tree i feel the spirit. so here, here here very short is the way i've kind of ended up thinking about it i wanted to it's all work in progress so you know mm -hmm. is to say in, in my philosophy it's look everything is uh the evolution of information in time and that it, it, and that information's accumulating. That's what the universe is. And so everything's, everything has identity because it's made of its past. So you and I are both made of our pasts and this room is made of its past. Everything is actually made of its past, which is its information. And everything which forms any sort of, sort of identity, you and I have a clear one, the room less clear, but it's still got one to do with place and its history, is a, is a, has, a, has an historical a uh, sense of information now obviously i don't think personally that the room is sitting here conscious of me like you and i are but it still has it's still a time stream or an information stream and i wonder if what's happening is that when you enter those deep imaginal spaces you can relate through your through your imagination you can tune into that stream of information that stream of time of a place of a rock and then break and it's two because it's two now two streams which all go back to the one or and that in and that it can speak to you through your own imaginal powers that by opening to it 
to use your language of your of images and of thoughts you can relate to something which in itself isn't conscious or like that but the spirit is kind of its essence its history what it's been does that i just wanted to try that does that make sense today yes yes yeah well done brilliant love i really followed your thread oh good right um I'll tell you the the thing that the key for me of what you just said, what really touched something like rang a bell in me, was everything's made of its past. So if you take a rock and you split it in two, its past was that it was one. Yeah. Um, then I saw that rock split into two or split into a hundred or a thousand or a billion or a, a number that I can't think of. And I go, well, that's, that's everything. Yeah. That's, that's what we are. Yeah. That's precisely everything. Yeah. So when I'm in that state of consciousness, I relate to everything as a, we were there at the beginning because there was nothing. <laughs> there was, there was, if, if there was a, if there was, and or just the big zero and then everything, everything was, our collective past was that. So, 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 so for me, the thing, it's like the oneness seems obvious. It's, yeah. the, it's the individuality which is so mysterious. Yeah. It's that what makes a thing a thing? What, what yeah. makes something, and so that sense of yeah. like this place or this river or this yeah. tree. Yes. And, and, and wanting to make a bridge between that, that intimate feeling of, of that it, you can speak to it yes. without it actually being, a, you know, imagining that every rock has a fairy or, you know, that, that, it's, that it's actually a more natural evolving process than that, which you can still, almost like, so, almost like what happened was that human beings at a certain point realized that through their own experience of soul, which is all they knew, they would project that out onto the world and they would understand naturally, you know, thunder was, that was a God and the, the river was a God and everything, because that's what they had to understand. That's the, and it could speak to them and they could learn from it. There was a way of gleaning information. This plant will do this, this plant will do that. Um, yeah. But without their, we, and now we can maybe move on from the sort of I, more. I, I suppose um, I want to, say a word on behalf of the the like the primitive in a sense like that like that the primitive story of understanding i i think like beginnings of the projection of some kind of awareness of self onto environment and then direct relationship with this like thunder or lightning or fire or yeah um, you know, dinosaur, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's, that's bigger than me, that's, that's more than self. So I kind of, that, I feel that that's so, it's so important for, a, for, a, for a, us now that we're able to relate to something bigger than ourselves in a tangible way. And I, I, so I, I Do you really, mean that the understanding can cause a distance between the thing itself? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely true. Possibly. And I just want no, to... No, definitely true. So, and then my, my experience, I was thinking when you were talking about that, you know, well, 
the river, if the river has a spirit, where did it begin? Where does it end? Does it end at the sea or does it, is it there at the first little drop on the top of Dartmoor, that tiny little pool that becomes the river Dart? Like which, which is the spirit? Where? <laughs> and I, I think that's a really, really interesting question. It makes me want to really go and walk that road from the little thing up just up on the hill over there and ask. <laughs> where's, well, where's you should do that. See, so, so the, here's the answer that I'm hoping you will get, because then it will be like, it'll fit into the way my thoughts are going, which have been interesting me. Because it feels like, ah, that it, it, it's like the, the, our use of the word spirit suggests a particular thing, like it's a spirit of the river. Yeah. What I'm playing with is that sense of which everything is this flow of information. I don't mean that in a reductionist sense, you know that. I don't mean it's just information. I mean, it's information as fire and yeah, Wayne yeah. and you and me and the mind yeah. and God. And, yeah. But, the, but the, 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 as you walk that, you will be connecting with that, the whole past of, that, of water pouring down that hill, going back and back and back until it wasn't there. And that that has a, like, if we took the word spirit, and one of the meanings of the word is essence, from yeah. essay to beef, it's being, it's essence. Mm -hmm. That there's an essence to everything based on the, its identity, which is its past, and that we can tune into that and have a relationship with it, which makes it intimate. Yeah. And suddenly it's more than, you know, a rock. It's like, wow, it, that's, there's, there's a, a world yeah. in it. Yes, I mean, I, I, um, I think it, I come back to the same place. I think that's, I want to give space to the, the, the mysterious possibility that it might be conscious of itself in a way that I just don't understand. That it might have a, it might have a, or that or the, the river has an, an identity that, you know, in a sense, a river goes from where it begins to where, where the sea begins. So it has a beginning and an end. Well, well, well not really, because the water's passing through and the water is the river. It's a landscape, it's not... You know, as, as, as Heraclitus said, you can't even step into the same river twice. That's so, right. So, so it troubles me the idea of saying, you know, that actually going, no, 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 metaphysically, I want to see this as conscious. Yes. Um, I cannot, you know, there's a poeticness to it, which can I can appreciate. Can I tell you why? I, yeah. If I can be really personal about it, and it is, it is poetic, but it's really emotional, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. really of the heart. Like, when I, I did, I did this ceremony on my birthday last, a year, nearly a year ago. And uh, I went up on the hill and I lit a fire and I took my drum and I drummed and I said thank you to, for my life and did all the things that I do in my little ceremonies. Spoke to nature and I had my eyes closed and I was drumming with my eyes closed and I was totally in the imagination of the fire in front of me and the wind and the trees and the river going past me and it was like wow this is... I'm. I'm in I'm really in touch with these beings and then and then I heard this little voice in my head saying Yakov open your eyes it's not in your imagination it's here in front of you open your eyes and I opened my eyes and the fire was burning in front of me and the 
tree was dancing in the wind and the, the river was singing and the, the sky was total divine art. And I was like, I was totally blown away. And then I, I started to talk to the fire. And I, I learned in a ceremony from a guy from Mexico called Victor Sanchez, speak to the fire as if it's your grandfather. And since he said, if you do that and you really connect in your heart to the heart of the fire, you'll never be lonely because all you ever need is a candle in a room and your grandfather's with you. And I, like to me, that was, it was such a beautiful invocation of something. Okay, so I, I, I actually really get that. Um, and this is something which I know it's a period of my life which so long ago I really very rarely talk about it <laughs> but when I was 20 I had the most intense year of my life studying western magic which was western shamanism really mm -hmm. and in that experience yeah I mean I had whole speaking to fire elementals speaking to water elementals earth elementals gnomes long conversations i mean i would walk alongside them and they would talk to me and we would talk to each other and and the, the water especially and the, and the fire all of those elements that the, 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 i mean really you know and and a complete breakdown in my experience between the imagination and the sensory world they were the same thing they were just things would move between it was it was very much one thing and so i really get that i really get that and part of what i've been trying to do i think for the last 40 years since is uh is kind of make sense of some of that and yeah. you know what the hell was happening then and yeah. Yeah. and and so maybe the place where i've ended up somewhere slightly different right now is that it now feels that i that that the power of the imaginal is so strong that it can reach out and embrace that and that i can't it, the fact that i can't make sense of the fact that this fire has a particular spirit or you know that you've got to or the ayahuasca which is you know you have a definite experience of meeting the spirit of the ayahuasca but that's two plants and so what happens does it whereas if i see it as the the history it feels like no no i'm just meeting everything that this combination of these two plants in interaction with human beings every all of its history everything it's done everything it's been i'm i'm tuning into that within this oneness of the imaginal and it is speaking to me and but i don't have to make the jump to it's the same as it is with you or with another animate conscious being and that and that then then i don't have this whole problem of, of feeling like i've got to go into a, a a state where i'm just willing to think that the fire is conscious and you know what happens when i put it out afterwards if I just killed it it's like you know or, you know <laughs> all sort of things which which really if you think too much about them suddenly don't make much sense I, I think it's um it's about, I mean in a way it's it's all about I, I feel for me it's all about respect really like if I if the fire is is a being that is my grandfather that even when I put it out and I haven't killed him I'm just putting him to sleep again. I'm laying him down. I'm kind of saying thank you. Uh, but as you were talking, I kind of got this sense of our imaginal world has come into being through our past, the power yeah. of our imagination. Yeah. What's to say it's not the same for those plants? 
that they they have not not in an embodied not in the sense of living in that those that physical plant but living in that combination living in that alchemy is an egregore is a imaginal something that's come into being in relationship to us so what would they be doing in that what did, what would their imaginal life be exactly they're sitting there like you know there's a plant here just sitting there being a plant or the one behind me sits in the corner of my office don't go anywhere and it's like is it off in the imagination going oh i'm doing this and that and it's like is it really well i, I mean I'm, I'm kind of thinking of lynn mctaggart who did all those experiments with with wiring up plants and oh i can get yeah i certainly i can certainly see that they're interacting so there's, a, there's something that's alive there there's life definitely there. definitely and really? i find it just i mean i do find it easier with a plant than i do with a rock again or a fire or a I things understand which it. It, i really i get the in a way it's like um although can i just say although yeah. the, what's so interesting is mm -hmm. that i can form that imaginal relationship just as easily with a rock or a river as i can the plant it's yeah. only when i step back from that and go what is that actually yeah that then it feels like oh there's there's something in I, i'm forced to question it you know yeah. when i was a kid i can remember so vividly getting so upset that we were going to get rid of our car because i i had a relationship with our car i, I spoke to it it spoke to me it's like yeah. and my teddies all of them you know yeah. they all had identities mm. But now, here as a 60-year-old man, I don't actually think they did. I don't think that they were actually having an imaginal experience. I think I allowed them to have an imaginal experience, and, it, and, I reached, and I, something real happened through it. Well, yeah, I mean, with a car and a teddy bear, uh, man-made or, or human-made, but a tree isn't, or a plant isn't, or a river isn't. It's not human-made. It's, it's made of... It's, it's, it's made of the same substance of us, but we didn't make it. So I, I, there's a, for me, there's a difference with that. I, what, I understand, what I'm kind of getting is like, I really get the, the, the need to, to understand. And it's, um, it's like, um, it's like my, my, the very first question I ever remember of, that really fascinated me, which is unanswerable but I love it and I come back to it again. All my life, I come back to it, which is, okay, my rabbi told me God created all of this. I can experience all of this, like the vastness of this mystery. And okay, God created it. But, that, but what happened before that? And where did that come from? Like, what's that? Like that, that before God or before creation, before existence, what is that? It's that same, for me, it's the same place. Like I, I'm compelled to be in that question. And um, I, I love it because, precisely because it blows my mind. It, it, it blows my circuitry in, in the sense of, um, I can't, I, I don't have the, yet the imagination to know yeah so 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 what i think i'm trying to do with that which is slightly different i think is to say i really want that too i love coming and doing ceremony with you 
And when I'm doing ceremony with you, I'm not there going, hmm, how does this, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, oh, that, you know let's just, wow, this is great, you know, and, and there's the fire and it's, you know, and, 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 and right in there. And, and then the, when I step out, then I, I want to go, okay, so how does all of this integrate? How does that, how can I keep the integrity of that experience but within an understanding which links it to the integrity of all of these other things? which we now know and which dares to ask questions to move it on from so that you can and my experience throughout these 60 odd years now that i've been on the planet is that i can is that i can look at an experience and then i can see the same experience in a different way yeah. and then it's it can be more or it can be different and it's still what it was so even yeah. with my journey which has been about awakening and yeah. about love and about oneness and, I now look at the experiences in the past and I see them differently. I thought, at the time, I thought, like, this is it. And then it was like, oh, no, it was it. But I didn't see yeah. this, did I? And now yeah. I see this. And that's, what, that's what I mean. It's like the, your capac the capacity of your imaginal being, of your capacity yes. to, to expand, to see another step of what's possible. What, that, that's what I feel. Exactly that with that question of how can this fire how could it possibly be a, a an individual being it, i i love the question i love that i love that um real fo like focused it's like um it's like mining like mining for jewels um focus of inquiry i um, look like I'm going to stay with that until something goes, uh, I get another pop of possibility. And um, that's very much what I've been doing since we had the last conversation, actually, yeah. <laughs> of, of doing that, of just thinking there is a way in which somehow there's a way in which we can, you know, I've done the same with the what's before god we, we, we won't get into that now but you know, <laughs> you know this is you know as you know this is what i spend my time doing is just holding yeah. those questions and then and my experience is if you do that that actually do things do arise that the yeah. the imaginal nature of you push it and you 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 question it's just like wow and then you're constantly hurled into a new universe through it and the, and the key though it's like i want to integrate it all i don't want to i don't want to end up with what what's so what's so limiting and why we need to, about the the scientific reductionist view which i have so much respect for you know because it's just so powerful it's yeah. it's it's done so much in such a short time mm. but it reaches this point which is the imaginal and it just stops <laughs> and you and i have spent our whole life exploring this which is huge and vast and wonderful and this understanding just doesn't go into it Mm. And somehow it feels like if we could, we could have a trans-scientific yeah. yes. spirituality, including that ancient shamanistic understanding of coming yeah. down into the earth, the ability yeah. to use the imaginal, um, the power of the narrative to shape yeah. things. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's, I did a podcast a few days ago with a guy called Danny Hill. He's a nurse. Um, so he's working full, full out at the moment. Just amazing. I was, I was so grateful that I didn't know he was a nurse. So, uh, you know, to have an opportunity to get, wow, you know, to give him a round of applause. Right yeah. There. yeah. Amazing. Anyway, um, we were talking about 
he was talking about what's going on and um and we were talking about hospitals and you know my dream would be an integral hospital where you have your trauma therapists and your acupuncturists and your physicians and your surgeons and your like the, your shamans like everyone's there and and your philosophers as well <laughs> because, because I no I, one's going to want to see a philosopher in hospital <laughs> <laughs> well you never know depends what you're going there for <laughs> well that's true yeah. <laughs> maybe if you realise you're not going to come out you might <laughs> exactly <laughs> we'll, we'll be the, the last it's like they'll go through and it's like oh, <laughs> oh no last western door. medicine didn't work we'll pass you on to the shaman that didn't work oh it's a philosopher for you <laughs> <laughs> you end up with well, I, one thing I understood is that I recognize the difference between our, our roles in the system. Yeah. Like I, I recognize that your, your role as a philosopher is to do exactly what you're doing. Yeah. And, yeah. and, to, and I, have, I have benefited from you doing that. You know, you've opened my mind to a, a bigger possibility than I had imagined so far through that vision questing we might call yeah, it yeah it is vision questing it yeah. really is I, I i mean that's the that i really do feel it like that yeah yeah and so i i'm really wanting to honor the role of philosopher in our society you and your role is uh to be honest with you i've not i've ne not really ever thought about it like what are the what's the role of a philosopher and um I, I'm really happy that you brought my attention to it and kind of go, oh, that's what, that's your job. That's your vocation. That's your consciousness is, is designed for that journey. Well, you, you, you just, I think you just brought up a beautiful example, which is very relevant right now as we're going through this also, this health crisis, which we really haven't even you know, mentioned, but it's there in the background, is, is, how do all those things, you know, it's, it's all really want to put them in the same building and they're functional, they're tools. So they don't, you can just say, okay, you've just moved to a different paradigm like we do with complementary medicine and Chinese medicine. But ultimately what you really want is to go, Oh, this is how it all fits together. Yeah. This is why it all works in different ways and yeah. where things are strong because actually it's one reality that we're in. And if we've got, if they don't, if the maps don't fit together, the maps aren't quite right. And if they were right, they'd be more effective. Yeah. And that's that kind of, and my thing, like with the, this Beautiful. term trans-scientific that I've been trying to, I'm trying out really, is going, mm. you know, we've gone from a pre-rational, you know, religious mindset, where, you know, and then come into this, this doubt and, you know, it, it, thinking, and which has led to questioning nature and the scientific understanding. And then that's reached its limit. And then what spirituality going right back to shamanism has got to offer is what that's missing and it feels like now we need to come back up and go oh you're missing all of this and it yeah. fits with this it doesn't because yeah. i see a lot of people going oh get rid of that that's horrible and you know yeah. that's all rational and scientific yeah. and no. let's get back to this and yeah. you know and it feels like no let's let's go thank you very much now let's yeah. add this on top it'd be um, ridiculous it would be like you know needing to fix your roof, building all the scaffolding, get, and getting up on your roof and then throwing the scaffolding away. You know, just ridiculous. Yeah. It's not sensible. It's not. Yeah. And I love trans-scientific. I just had to say, it sounds like a long train ride. 
you know, or there's two pop, there's two that are popular, both of which I dislike. One is that there's only the present. I don't even know what that could mean, really. Mm. And the other is it's all existed already. And it's just like, you know, the, yes. it's just a big. And yet this idea that, no, everything, it's not. It's creative. So it's new and new and new. And yet it's creative on everything that's already happened. And nothing is lost, not even the tiniest of things. And that captures that, I think, that same, well, that same spirit. That, and that, that's, that's one thing. I mean, that's, that's evolution, isn't it? It's how we, how something is becoming conscious. I, you know, and I do, I do pray that our current situation helps us to make a choice to become a bit more conscious. What do you make of it? What do you make of it? I just, I've got to just tell you this because it just arrived today. It was someone sent me a message. I thought, oh, that's a lovely thought. She said, um, uh, I've got it here. I said, I'm also, I also think that during this time, it's extremely interesting that we're all working towards the common good by all isolating and being apart. Yeah. And I thought, God, that's interesting, isn't it? Yes. That there's this, yeah. yeah. But it's a total paradox. We've Isn't got it? physical isolation and more of a sense of society than we yeah. have for a very yeah. long time. That's it. That's it. It's beautifully yeah. put. Beautifully yeah. put. That's it. What a yeah. paradox. It's a real strange paradox. And I, you know, I, I saw your um, talk that you gave about this situation and about the, you know, how um, upset you were and clear, clearly wanting to uh, challenge the idea that this was somehow a, um, the, the nature, mother nature, giving us a slap around the face to wake up and that we're being punished and that we ought to, and you, you related that to the whole AIDS epidemic and the, with Christianity. And I found that really interesting. And it really, I thought a lot about it, that, that sense of, and it really led me to what you, the next thought I heard from you was um, the meaning that we choose to give to the suffering that this is causing. That's what matters here. Yeah. Like what, whether, what, whether we just kind of, try to rush back to how things were or whether we actually go wow um your health system over there is my concern actually for my own selfish well-being because we are we are part of something that's we can't be isolated we we're not isolated we are connected connected and that's and that's the the biggest, you know, that's the biggest suffering I see is that of the loss. The people have lost the sense of, or it's not even they've lost it. Maybe they've never had it. A sense of real connection to themselves, to one another, to life, to the mystery, to their purpose, to their dignity, to their soul, to their sense of this is what I'm here to bring as part of this e evolution that's that's for me the the challenge we've got as human beings is what meaning yeah and so so just you know i'd be i just said to debbie um the, yeah. my wife that, that i was looking for more insight i just feel like i just haven't got enough insight on what this is we're in and where it's going and and you know because it's not gone on, probably don't know how long it's going to go on. And, 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 you know, are we going to come out into an utter mess with masses of suffering and poverty and especially in the third world, or is it going to be, you know, and, and, and listening to you speak then, it, I just 
seemed clear to me that 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 yeah, what we need to do is we need to ask ourselves the, the, the one way. The, the answer is we don't know probably, yeah. but that we know that what we're going to come out to is not going to be what we will be left behind. Yeah. And it's going to be chaotic. And because of that fluid and that, that, that we need to ask ourselves, what sort of world do we want it to be? Absolutely. I, I, I mean, th this has been the deepest, um, question that I keep coming to is like I, you know I, I receive all these things about the the Illuminati and 5G and the you know the the new world order and the, all of that stuff which um, I, you know it's a view I, I'm not I'm not going to dismiss it out of hand I'm sure there's lots of very bad people doing lots of very bad things in this world I don't it doesn't make sense to me that they're, they're intelligent enough to get it together to be that organized. No. <laughs> um, and, um, so that, but having said that, that that's about how we got here. Yeah. You know, we're here because of them or we're here because of this or we're here, we're here because mother earth is giving us a slap around the face or we're here because what, you know, because pandemics happen. Um, but that's how we got here. What matters, this is what I keep coming to, is what's my vision? Yeah. What, what could we make of this? This is an extraordinary, for, for people who are not directly on the front line of, the, of suffering and who are, do have a, some kind of space to sit and, and be with these questions and be with, what well what might we make it's really important to envision to buy you know i'm praying for we need a vision we need something that inspires us something to live into or live up to and then the courage to actually step up and say let's do it yeah exactly and that's it's really tough but we've done well it's really tough isn't it somebody just amanda scott i spoke to you know amanda she wrote the no. Boudicca series she's an okay. extraordinary being, amazing, yeah. amazing being. You should talk to her. You'll find oh. her very fascinating. Okay. Um, and um, oh, I can't remember why, what, what we were talking about now. Mm, lost my thread. Well, I've got a thread. You so unless it comes back to you, as you were speaking then, it feels like we've ended, we've suddenly come back to the present moment yeah. with like where we right are. And when we, when I invited you to, to have this conversation, we talked about you drumming and singing at the end mm. um, because that is beautiful and transformative and so much part of the, what you do. And I'm just wondering whether we could, you could drum and sing us into a space where I and you and everyone who listens to this at any time, can look at the vision of yeah. what do we want this to be when we what world do we want to create from yeah. the chaos that we're going to find when we come out of this yes and that's that's precisely exactly what i was talking about with manda is that how do we create that vision that's that's inspires us something that to live up to and yes it's hard she that's right she described it as somebody had described it as like trying to turn a jumbo jet round in midair and in midair transform it into a helicopter it's like <laughs> it's that difficult and i thought yeah. it was a brilliant image but we somehow 
it, life has conspired. This is what how it's happened that we have stopped yeah. in midair. Yeah, and we are being asked to change into something to yeah. change our view. So yeah. yeah, that's a beautiful invitation, and um, I would love to do that. I would love to make that invitation and also deepen it for myself and for you and for anyone who listens here. So let me, let me, let's, let's actually just end with you and sound and leaving all the ideas behind. So I'm just going to say now, thank you so much, Yakov. And uh, it's been a delight as I knew it would be. And I'm just going to hand over to you. And then, and when you're done, I think we'll leave the words and we'll just be done. Does that sound good? Perfect. Thank you. And, and thank you to you, Tim, and um, real love. For you and respect for you. I've, I've really enjoyed actually getting to know you more through this conversation and understanding your role more. It's really been helpful and beautiful and uh, yeah, very warm. Thank you. Mm. Okay. So just before we begin this journey, the purpose of which, as we've been talking about, is to help you to relax into the body and to open yourself to receiving new information, whether that comes in picture or in a sensation, a feeling in the body, in sound or words, ideas, really trusting your capacity to open to receive something new, something that inspires you, something that guides you through these difficult times and has you looking forward uh, in a way which has meaning for you and brings dignity to the suffering that's in this world. So very important that you take care of your body, that you don't push it. You can do this sitting down or lying. It's really good to stand up as well if you want to and let the drum move the body. Either way, really make sure you take care of yourself. Only go as far as you feel comfortable to go. That's for the body, also for your emotions. And let yourself be held by the gift that is gravity and the ancient call of the drum. this 
gift of gravity, the attraction between the physical matter of your body and the earth underneath you. Imagine that as you let go, how you are, who you are, all of you, whatever your experience is right now, is being held in the warm embrace of this gravity. We might say the warm embrace of this great mama, this earth that provides everything. Breathing in and breathing out, breathing deeply, each out breath, you acknowledge your condition and let a little bit more of your weight go. As you let your weight go, imagine roots, the roots underneath your feet spreading out into a wide area around you, just like a tree whose roots spread out at least to the width of its branches to give it stability. Imagine now that through whatever part of you is in touch with the ground, this connection is made with your roots. The beautiful, dark, velvet embrace of the earth underneath you, holding you and me and all of us. With each breath, you can feel your heart settling. It's as if any stress, any fear that you've been carrying about what's going on in the world, any anxiety can drop down through that contact with the ground, can also be held in this embrace. Please don't feel under any pressure to feel anything. Simply the body, gravity, the breath, the invitation to let go. out-breath, any of that anxiety or fear or extra stress drops down. It's as if there's more space inside the belly, inside the solar plexus, inside the heart 
I see it as roots for the heart, so that whatever we are feeling or holding within our hearts, within our bellies, within our bodies, can drop down. Those roots spreading out, making connections. you're in isolation right now, this is a moment where you might feel connected with all the other people taking this journey right now. Beautiful. Letting the body move or settle into stillness, whatever feels right for your body right now. Settling down. You can feel those roots and the trunk of your body supported, held, embraced, nourished by this feeling of giving in a little bit more to gravity. Gravity is the gift of the earth. Imagine now, above the heart, the shoulders, the arms, the throat. open space, like a tree in the spring, opening its branches to receive the new light of a new season of growing. Good. Let the imagination open to that wide open space and from your heart, from your roots, from your body, from your being, calling out now for vision, vision of the future that's not rooted in fear, but that's rooted in the possibility of human evolution as part of the web of life, human presence that is beneficial to the web of life, a step forward as a species where we might expand our consciousness a little, make space what really matters so that we can dignify the challenges, the difficulties, the suffering of this time 
with a vision of the future that wakes us up in the morning with a smile deep in our bellies, the possibility of evolution, opening your mind, opening the branches of the tree of life inside you, calling for the light of new vision, whether it comes in picture, whether it comes in sound, or sensation, calling for that now. form of a dream 
or a little moment of inspiration, a vision that dignifies you, that dignifies our species, something to grow into, something to live for now, today. Breathing in that warmth of the springtime sun. Coming back into a sense of muscle and bone. Those feet on the ground. Wiggling those fingers and toes. And on the ninth beat of this drum, gently opening your eyes, being back, completely welcoming yourself back, nourished, strengthened by this journey. Welcoming yourself back into the room where you are, the space where you are, into a gentle landing, taking a few minutes after this to sit, maybe to write, to drink some water, just to walk around, take a few notes. Sometimes what you received in the form of light can be understood more just by letting yourself write. Gently opening the eyes, coming back into the room, stretching the body, deep breath, thank you, and thank you Tim, it's been a pleasure being with you today, take care everybody, be well.